It's not uncommon to think of hospitality as something shown inside your home. But what does it look like to show hospitality out of your home, too? I'm Alexa Mason. Welcome to the Grace and Cherish podcast. Welcome to the Grace and Cherish podcast, where we explore the role of hospitality in our homes and our lives. This is a podcast about hospitality, and it's about formation. We are all being formed into someone. The question is, who? Hello, everyone. I am excited to talk about our topic today, and we're going to jump right in. If you don't remember last week, or if you haven't had a chance to listen, I recommend you do. Last week's episode was called Hospitality at Home, an Invitation In. And we looked at what it looks like to show hospitality in our homes for the people we live with and the people we invite in. We explored different barriers to showing hospitality and offered some different ways to think about it. And we talked about prayer and the importance of it, especially when inviting guests over. And today, we're going to talk about hospitality in our communities, an invitation out. And we're going to talk about the two passages from the Bible that significantly influenced my view of hospitality as something that you do in your home and out of it. Now, it may be clunky, y'all, but we're going to go for it. So you with me? All right. Grab your chai or whatever else you like to drink, and let's talk about the book of Isaiah. Isaiah 58. It's a passage known to be about fasting and God's definition of true fasting. And this is what started me on the trajectory of considering hospitality as something that is in my home, yes, done in the home, but also outside of it. Now, if you're not familiar with the passage, uh, Isaiah chapter 58, I'm going to share something that I learned from the Bible Project, which is a resource, not recess, (laughs) hey, but a resource I use often. I will link to the specific overview that I listened to from the Bible Project in the show notes. It actually comes in two parts. It breaks the book of Isaiah into two. It's wonderful, very helpful. I highly recommend the Bible Project. They do summaries of every book of the Bible. They're very accessible. And so I just, I recommend it. They do many, many things, but that's just one thing. That's how I was introduced to them years ago. So I recommend it. I'll link to them in the show notes on the website, but let's go the book of Isaiah. It shares the story of Isaiah, who is a prophet. A prophet is someone that declares or proclaims or speaks the will of God. In Isaiah 58, we are in the second half of the book of Isaiah. So the first half, Isaiah is warning the people of Israel, God's chosen people, of a future judgment, the exile to Babylon, and also of a future hope. Now, in the second part of which the passage we're going to read today is from, we read about the coming Messiah relating to that future hope Israel had to look forward to. We also read in in the book of Isaiah, you read about people who chose to follow God in his ways, the people of Israel, and those 
within the people of Israel, God's chosen people, who did not choose to follow his ways. And so in Isaiah 58, it's a passage about God defining what true fasting is, what it looks like to really follow him. And I realized I should back up. For people that aren't familiar with fasting, I don't want to assume everyone is. Fasting is something that uh, whether, you know, if you're in the church, it's something you might have learned about as a spiritual discipline or practice. Um, Or you may have heard of something like intermittent fasting, which is talked about in the health world. Now, when fasting is mentioned in the Bible, it is spiritual. It's a way to connect with God. It is a willingness to deny eating food, doing something physical for a certain amount of time, but its purpose is spiritual and it involves connection and communion with the Lord. Whereas in the health world, when people are often talking about fasting, it is solely a physical thing. But when I am referring to it today. And when we talk about in Isaiah 58, it is something that is absolutely, it, it is physical, it is spiritual, it is relational between people and God. And fasting is something that you can do on your own. It is something that you can do communally, but it is always, at least when I'm referring to it, with the purpose of connection with God. And there might be a specific thing or that you're fasting for, Um which we can get into that another time, but there's there's a lot to it, but just to give a simple explanation. So in Matthew 4, for example, the famous passage about Jesus being tempted in the wilderness, it shares that prior to that experience of temptation, he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. We read about fasting like today in the Old Testament, which the book of Isaiah is con- in the Old Testament of the Bible. And then there is a New Testament of the Bible, and you also read about it there. And so I share that because I think it's important when we see something throughout the Word to pay attention to it. And I also love to share about it because it reminds us that fasting is something that people have been doing for centuries, for so long. It is an ancient practice, and it is something that people still do today. And to be honest, that's one of the things that in this coming year, I've I found I really feel prompted to, pr- to practice it more. I have done it on my own. I've done it with Brandon. I've done it in, in a larger community. But I really do believe that there is such beauty and gift in making a regular rhythm of fasting and coming before the Lord in that way. So One, I hope that I just got you excited about fasting, (laughs) but let's keep going. Um, We're going to continue on with Isaiah 58 and hospitality going out. Now, in Isaiah 58, you have a group of people, Israel, God's chosen people, who are calling out to him. And they're saying that you don't see us in our fasting. Why aren't you responding? Again, they were fasting, denying their physical bodies, but, but they were saying for spiritual reasons. They were trying to commune before God. It was with God that they were saying, hey, this is why we're fasting. But God responds and he says, after they say in um, verse three, they say, why have we fasted? But you have not seen. We have denied ourselves, but you haven't noticed. And God says, look, you do as you please on the day of your fast and oppress all your workers. 
You fast with contention and strife to strike viciously with your fist. You cannot fast as you do today, hoping to make your voice heard on high. He continues, will the fast I choose be like this? A day for a person to deny himself, to bow his head like a reed and to spread out sackcloth and ashes. Will you call this a fast and a day acceptable to the Lord? Isn't this the fast I choose? And I'm in verse six now, if you want to look at it. To break the chains of wickedness, to untie the ropes of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and to tear off every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry, to bring the poor and homeless into your house, to clothe the naked when you see him and not to ignore your own flesh and blood? Then your light will appear like the dawn and your recovery will come quickly. Your righteousness will go before you and the Lord's glory will be your rear guard. At that time when you call, the Lord will answer. When you cry out, he will say, here I am. If you get rid of the yoke among you, the finger pointing and malicious speaking, and if you offer yourself to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted one, then your light will shine in the darkness and your night will be like noonday. Amen. What struck me through this passage is the way God is calling the people of Israel out to serve others. You read it when you see that he says, is it not to share your bread with the hungry, to bring the poor and homeless into your house, implying you need to see them and go out in your community who's around and bring them into your house to clothe the naked when you see him or her and not to ignore your own flesh and blood. It says to break the chains of wickedness, to set the oppressed free. These are all things you can't solely do, even in our internet age where you can access so much information with, from your couch. But this, this really does require you going out and seeing your community, being a part of it. I love that he's, his, his call is something so much greater. It's about offering yourself to the hungry, satisfying the person afflicted. And this is what we, any person who calls upon Jesus as Lord, this is what we are called to as we seek to love God and our neighbor. And that is challenging because it does mean, like, especially when I read that part about breaking the chains of wickedness and setting the oppressed free, what does that look like where you are in your community, in your state, and then in your nation? I can say, again, we've seen in these last few years the uh, issues of racism and other things that have been rampant, that have always been under the surface, that have always been there. But now, because there's so much access to, again, videos and, and internet and media, it's been right in our face and we can't run from it. What does it look like to set the oppressed free in that situation? There's human trafficking very real and very much within this nation of the United States where I live and many, many others throughout our globe. What does it look like for us to consider setting the oppressed free? I think of refugees. I think of persecuted people, again, throughout the globe. What does it look like to pray and seek the Lord's face and see what the Holy Spirit may say to us as how we respond? This is hospitality going out. 
And so this to me, again, I believe that hospitality is about welcoming strangers in. And as much as it means caring for the people I already live with, which again, we talked about in ep- the last episode, episode three. But man, we cannot miss the the gift the in the significance of going out towards those around us. Seeing the person who is hungry on the side of the road and caring for them, smiling, engaging, saying hello. These are significant things that we can do. But I don't want to limit the creativity and the ways that the Holy Spirit might move us. I think that there are small things that we can do today. Like I just said, seeing the person who is hungry in your community and, and caring for them in some way, whether it's through care kits uh, or, or just smiling and saying hello, asking their name, you know, that's a low bar. But then there is even more that we can do that might involve, you know, getting engaged within your community and discovering the injustices people experience. and actively working toward righteousness through making right what is wrong in whatever realm of influence you have. We all have different influence. And for some of us, we may be able to do certain things in certain areas and others of us, we might not be able to do as much, but there's another area that we can. I want us to consider what it looks like to say, Lord, what influence, what privilege, what power do I have and how can I lay it down for the sake of others in the name of Jesus to glorify your name as an act of hospitality to the people around me. Now, when we read Matthew 25, we see Jesus reiterate what we've read in Isaiah 58 in some ways. Now, it's describing the final judgment you know, low-key thing here, Jesus says very plainly in the book of Matthew, which is in the New Testament, it's the very first book of the New Testament, and chapter 25, it says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne, talking about Jesus, and before Jesus will be gathered all the nations, which gets me excited every time because it is all the nations. Hallelujah. How beautiful is that? Anyway, and Jesus will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats, and he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And listen closely to this. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. And so the passage continues with the people Jesus is speaking to saying, when did we see you and do these things? And Jesus responds, truly, I tell you, Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. This is why hospitality to me is meant to go out. In the first episode, I mentioned the Greek word philoxenos. Again, forgive me if I said it wrong, but 
it means hospitality or it's it's translated hospitality and it means love of stranger or love to stranger and these passages speak exactly to that loving the stranger and it specifically requires a sense of being part of the community knowing the needs of those around you we cannot be content to only invite people in to our homes we must consider what it means to go out how can we go out to those around you, being aware of our community and its needs. How can you go out? What does that look like? I know that for all of us, it can it will vary person to person based on our situations, our life circumstances, even our ability to get around, you know, transportation. For some, it may be easy. For others, it may not. But what I want to encourage us all with is that there are often opportunities to show hospitality right in our communities today. And often there are opportunities in the midst of an otherwise ordinary day. And so I'm going to end and I'm going to share an experience that has stuck with me for a long time now. And I'll be honest, I don't like sharing it because I want to keep these things between me and Jesus. But I will share it today if it means that even one person might go about their day differently. I don't want to assume that I have that much power in it, but when you hear the story, you'll understand how much the Lord was a part of it. And I hope that that is what encourages and and, and leads you to want to have this type of encounter too. So here we go. I'm going to talk about a woman that I met last summer. So last summer, the kids and I were running errands and we stopped at a Target. And at this point, we're actually still in Portland, Oregon. We took way longer than I meant to in Target and we were eating into our lunchtime and nap time. So I had a tired at the time. They were one, four and five years old. All right. So we get out of the store. I get the kids in the car. They're all buckled up and they're moaning at this point about the fact that I took so long and we're still, you know, 20 minutes from home. So as I'm driving out of the packed parking lot and for all y'all Portland people, you know, I'm talking about the Happy Valley Target and you can picture that um, parking lot. It was packed. I don't know what people were doing that day, but Everyone was there for some reason. So I'm coming out of this packed parking lot and I'm trying to get home because, again, I got a one, four and a five year old. I need to get them some food. But I see a woman standing with a yellow sign and I have this moment of crap. (laughs) I want to stop, kind of, but I want to get home, too, because I don't want to deal with screaming children who are hungry and overtired. And it's my fault. But I get this sense that I need to stop. So I pull the car over and I start talking. But she quickly makes it clear that she doesn't understand what I'm saying because she doesn't speak English. I figured out that she speaks Italian. So I pull out my phone, holla at Google Translate, and I start typing in that. And we use that to communicate back and forth. I learned that her name is Marinella and she needed money for her kids. She was asking for a gift card to get some food and clothing items, either from Target or Walmart. So I asked her a few more questions and learned a little bit more about her story. And I tell her, I'm like, okay, wait here. I'll come back with a gift card. So I turn around, park the car again, pull out the kids and begin walking back into Target. And it's right here as we're walking in. I got Hosanna, who was one at the time. I got her on my hip, Gideon and Noel holding hands with me. And I realize I'm like, whoa, 
we are doing this together. We are working together to go love and serve this woman as a team. It wasn't just me. It was all of us. And there was something so profound to me about that moment. This ordinary day, us going about our business, and we are interrupted with a glorious opportunity to show love to someone. I first saw this moment as an interruption. But I thank God that the inconvenience of stopping didn't keep me from actually stopping the car. Because as we're walking toward the target, I start saying to the kids, I'm like, hey, do you know why we're doing this? And I go on to explain that I'm like, Marinella, Marinella needs help. And God has given us money and she needs it. So we're going to use it to help her. And I talk to them about how Jesus helped people and he wants us to help people. He wants us to show love to them. And this is one way we can do that. And so we all walked back into Target, purchased the gift card, then piled back in the car, buckled up the car seats and went over to Marinella and gave her the gift card. Now, what we did wasn't particularly radical. It was very simple and small compared to all of her needs. But the point wasn't really about how big a thing we could do. It was just about being faithful. And as a mama in particular, in that moment, I couldn't help but rejoice that God had given me the gift to serve someone with my kids, to stop, to notice, to care for someone, to live out the gospel in a small way. These are the moments I want my children to remember. I pray that they become people who are willing to be interrupted to the glory of the Lord and the benefit of others. And like I said before, I'm not I'm not a hero. I don't share this a point to myself. I share it because I want to encourage us to look for moments where God may be inviting you to show hospitality right in the midst of your ordinary mundane day. Pray today for a heart ready and willing to be interrupted. Now, the truth is, I think that if we pray to have eyes that are open to see, that ears that are willing to hear, hearts that are open to the prompting of God, I really do believe that it is small acts of love that we can be showing throughout our everyday. Again, I shared that story about Marinella, and, and, and it's so simple, right? It's not, again, it's not that I think I did anything radical, but I just couldn't help but think that by my willingness with what I have, I had three kids, we were doing some, you know, running some errands, and here was an opportunity. And I pray that I'm like, Lord, if I can just be faithful to listen to you, perhaps this will be something that is ingrained in them. I don't control it. I don't know if it will be, but what if... I, even using these mundane days, you can actually be filling their minds and their hearts with this truth and understanding that, that we are a people who follow Jesus, who had no problem being interrupted, who when a woman came and touched his garment, he didn't have a problem stopping and being interrupted. 
He doesn't have an issue with that. He came from heaven to be with us. Our Lord is a Lord who was okay with changing everything so that he could come and be with us. That is a glorious Lord to follow. And I hope with this episode and by sharing this and by reading the scripture that we can see that there are so many glorious opportunities for us to follow his way in that, to follow his example. I pray that may we be people willing to be interrupted and we might not always see what comes of it. We don't know. But we do know that we have a heavenly father who sees what we do in secret and he is pleased and delighted. So know that and let that be enough. Okay, let's recap this episode and end things as we're getting close to that 30 minute mark. Today, we read Isaiah 58 and Matthew 25, and we looked at them as examples for what it can look like to show hospitality to people outside of our homes. And I shared that story about an interruption that was really a gift. Friends, as always, thank you for listening to this episode of the Grace and Church podcast. I don't take for granted that you would lend me your ear for 25 or 30 minutes. Time is precious. Thank you for spending it here. Now, for a further reflection on this specific episode, there are questions on the website at www.graceandcherish.com to help you further explore what it means to take your hospitality out. This is just the beginning. I hope that this is, if it's something that you don't do regularly or if you kind of do sometimes, that this is an invitation for you to make this a lifestyle, a rhythm that is a part of your life. Now, the next two episodes are going to focus on spiritual formation and interior design, and I'm very excited to share them with you. Goodness. Okay, so be sure to listen in. You can find me on Instagram at Grace and Cherish or send me an email at hello at graceandcherish.com. I would love to connect with you. If you're enjoying what you're here, please share this podcast with a friend, subscribe, rate, and review online. Those are all things that help people that do podcasts. So I appreciate it. If you are willing to do so, thank you. Now, let's take a deep breath. As we end, may you know God's grace and cherish every moment with him. See you next time.